So, uh, the Gary show, are you, are you are you up for it? Are you still interested? Um, yeah, yeah, man. Um, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just a bit puzzled by like the whole concept. I still haven't fully grasped it yet. You know, oh, it's, it's the like, Gary show, you know, the Gary. Yay. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> it is, is like Gary going to be a mantra? Is it going to be like, you know, a, a way of life? Is it, you know, I, I, I'm feeling a bit unprepared and unsure about what it is we'll be doing, Paul. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I must admit, the guy at work was, I saw our tweet and he was like, what, what's the Gary show? What's that about? And <laughs> right. I, okay. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and he wouldn't leave me alone. So I just said, look, it's about this. <laughs> Hello, welcome to The Gary Show. I'm Paul, reading underscore Hicks on Twitter, and I'm joined by... Hi, I'm, I'm Mike. I'm Mike. I'm at Avant Garve on Twitter. And um, yeah, welcome to the very first Gary Show. Sorry. The very first one. The very first The Gary Show. There we go. The Gary Show, yeah. yes. Sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we're covering a few topics tonight, so uh, I think... Uh, as many of you know, we are Australians who live in Australia. And um, uh, Mike, have you been getting people asking if you're okay from overseas? And you know, uh, are you on fire? Yeah, yes. Uh, I'm. I'm literally only on fire when I'm performing on stage. But um, yeah, I, look, I'm very touched, and it's it's very sweet of all our friends overseas to be checking in with us. It is very much appreciated. But no, whilst a vast portion of our fair country is burning. My immediate area, the city of Brisbane, is quite safe. Wow. We, we did have some rather smoky skies a few weeks back where there were fires in more coastal areas that was leading to the wards of southern states, but that has that's pretty much all cleared up now. So Brisbane is all okay. My family and I, we are all okay, uh, and we thank you for your concern, but we, we are fine. How about your neck of the woods, Paul? I know it's a little bit different where you are. Yeah, well, um, I'm in a patch which hasn't burnt, but I'm surrounded by areas which have burnt. Right. Um, and I work in an area which is similar, similarly positioned where it hasn't burnt, but it is surrounded by things that have burnt. Mm. Um, so uh, I live uh, in a town called Lagan. Lagan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a tiny town, tiny. It's you know rural. I'm I'm on a farm and all that sort of stuff, as yep. people might know. Um, I deal with wombats and cool <laughs> things like that, and I'm cooler than everyone. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, I drive to Canberra every day, which is the you know the seat of government for Australia, and what a government we have at the moment. And um, <laughs> let's just leave it at that. Yep. But yeah, uh, basically, there's lots of fire around there, and it's been pretty miserable. So uh, we've had smoke in Canberra for about four or five weeks, mm. and where I live, the smoke has come and gone. And sometimes you know you'll be lying in bed, hot night, windows are open, and then the smoke will roll, roll in. And you go, do I want to breathe or do I want to be cool? Um, so, <laughs> so you've got to make decisions like that uh, at various stages. But but I, there's a bit of change at the moment because uh, I don't know if you can hear it, but I'm sitting in my car and it is raining. It is raining right on me, and this is the most rain I have had um, in this... I'm in Lagan. This mm-hmm. is the most rain we've had in Lagan for about a year. Wow. Okay. And we had a bit of rain last night. So, nice. You know, it, 
We have two lots of rain. So the way rain works in my rural area is you look at the forecast and you go, okay, uh, it's, say it's Monday. It says on Saturday it's going to rain. You go, beauty, it's going to rain. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday comes and by about Thursday, the forecast for Saturday is no rain. Right. Um, yeah, or sometimes it'll get to Friday and it'll still say rain and then the rain will be like one minute and that's oh, it. Oh dear. Yeah, so um, my dams have run dry. Mm. Um, I've been, I've got a, you know, one of those kiddie pool clam shells. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a blue one. Yes. I've carried that up the hill and I'm pouring water in it every few days for the sheep and they seem to drink it. I don't know. They're scared of me so they run away and I don't see them drinking it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and I put some, some sheep nuts. They're like, uh, just, it's like chicken food for sheep. I've been chucking that around because the grass is very, very brown. It's quite fun walking around the farm because it's just crunch, 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 crunch wherever you go because everything is brown and mm. crunchy. Right. Mm. Yeah. It's like um, Sultana bread on the ground. Um, <laughs> With sheep nuts. Yeah. <laughs> with sheep nuts. So, yeah, the sheep are being looked after, and um, my neighbour was kind enough to chuck his ram in with my sick sheep. So we had three lambs born over Christmas. Which oh, wow. Is, Quite exciting, but um, Christmas holidays in Australia. A lot of our works basically shut down. Yes. So they say, "Piss off, have fun, don't come back for a, you know a week or so." So everyone went home, and everyone basically just had to stay indoors because of the smoke in Canberra. Mm. And most of Canberra people, they all go down to the coast to Batemans Bay for holidays, um, which is great normally. But Batemans Bay was on fire completely, and mm-hmm. lots of people got stranded down there. The roads got closed and highways. A lot of people really shouldn't have gone on holidays. They should have known better, but they did, and they ended up stuck down there with no food or petrol or anything like that. Yikes. Um, yeah, they didn't burn to death, but um, they had a shit holiday uh, <laughs> because of that. So um, when everyone came back to work, everyone looked exhausted. No one, no one looked like they're having a good time at all. Funny it that, was, yeah. Yeah, miserable. You know, how was your holidays? Great. I sat inside being afraid of the outdoors because of the smoke. So yeah. uh, you know, Ventolin has gone through the roof in sales at the moment because everyone's trying to breathe. Oh, so, right. But this rain is fantastic. I'm very happy about this rain. Um, yeah, if so, you'll pardon yeah. the pun, uh, long may it rain in Lagan. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Mike. Yes. I, I recall yeah. seeing some of the pictures of your property uh, on, on your Twitter feed, and yet yeah, it looked pretty brown. So you yeah. guys desperately need some rain down there. Yeah, crunchy, mm. crunchy times. Yes, crunchy sheep nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm just obsessed with... Oh, God. The concept of sheet nuts is something new to me, so um, I'm oh, okay. just kind of like, wow, okay, it makes sense, I guess, but it sounds funny, and there's a little part of me that is going, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yes, yeah. that's that's the, the, the Gary Show weather update, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I'm... Um... Like you too, I have been, lots of people have asked, am I okay? I mean, there's people I've never talked to on Twitter have messaged me and say, are you all right? And it's mm. like, you know, oh, that's great. I really like your podcast, but I've never talked to you. Um, <laughs> things like that. Mm. Um, yeah, which is very kind. And it's, you know, it's obvious that it's hitting the media big time overseas. And it's, yes. uh, you know, we are the object lesson of what happens when you ignore climate change, mm-hmm. which is, um, I'm happy to be that for the world because I think it's disgraceful yeah. the way our government has handled things at this moment. I mean, yeah. everyone's upset the Prime Minister went on holidays. I'm not upset he went on holidays. I'm upset he didn't listen to fire chiefs a few months ago about what mm. to do about the, you know, the conditions. Yeah. And, he said, and, oh, it's unprecedented. Yeah, yeah, he didn't listen. And then he went on holidays to Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. sorry, I planned a surprise for the kids. Like, we don't care. Yeah. Show some leadership. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway. What a horrible government. Anyway, um, how was your 2019, Mike? Um, my 29th, it was, it was okay, Paul. Um, it was, you know, it was a year 
Um, it was about 365 days long, um, probably as many nights. Um, you know, it was. It, I got engaged, so you know, it was. It was. Um, it was a, a decent year. It's a decent year. Yeah, that's a good thing for you. Congratulations on your engagement. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And um, yeah, I'm looking. I'm invited to your wedding, which is nice. Yes. So, yes. Um, Yes, my wife is very much looking forward to going. We haven't been to a wedding for ages because all our friends are, are old. Oh, so. well, well, you get the best of both worlds here because we're old and we're getting married, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> do you, I mean, you're younger than me. Do you feel like there's much of an age difference between us? No, do you no, ever feel that? No, you're so immature, Paul. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I honestly don't. I don't because I think there's like nine years between us. Uh, something, well... I turned, uh, I turned 45 this year. 40, okay, so there's, it's less than seven years between us then. Oh, okay, okay. I do. Or, the, no, it's about seven, yeah. Okay, let's call it seven, yeah. Seven years, I'm seven years your senior. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, were we friends at school, that would be quite weird, and it is quite a notable difference, but uh, <laughs> as we are in our older ages, it's not much of a difference at all. Yeah, for us to be friends at school, I would have had to have been in year five, and you would have been in year 12. Yeah, that would be awkward and weird. That would be yeah. a little bit weird, yeah. Yeah. Hey, why is Paul the senior hanging out with that little primary school kid? <laughs> yeah, a little bit weird, a little bit weird. Um, yeah. Speaking of the wedding, to sidetrack a little bit, have I told you what the theme is for the wedding? Which might is it help. Trem- tremors? No, I'm not having a tremors theme. Who would have a... Show me <laughs> photos from anyone in the world having a tremors-themed wedding. Well, that's the beauty of it. You would be the first, and yeah. it would make your well, wedding unique. Sorry to dash your hopes for my wedding, but it is not tremors-themed, okay? It's... Yeah, everyone would be scared on the dance floor in case it opened up and swallowed them when they made rhythmic movements. Yeah, yeah. No, because it's the year is 2020, we are having a 1920s theme for the wedding. Oh. So, the, so this might help you with figuring out what you'll wear to our wedding. Uh, it's it's going to be 1920s themed. So there you go. Oh, that's a lot of pressure. I didn't do much dress up in my life, I must admit. Well, it's first time for everything. Uh, yes, yes, uh, and I think your wedding would be the appropriate venue for going to a spot of bother. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I, I'm sorry once again that it is not Tremors themed, but, you know. <laughs> I'll need four truckloads of sand. <laughs> oh my God. No, just no, okay? So, no. Yeah. so, so Kylie's, Kylie's dress uh, has arrived. She, she's ordered it. It has arrived. She is very happy with it. So because I'm on leave from work, I have certain tasks to get done tomorrow to keep the wheels turning in Operation Wedding 2020. So, oh, wow. Yes. Um, what, keep, keep an eye for that hashtag, kids. Um, <laughs> Operation Wedding 2020. Uh, mm. So yeah, it's but it's it's going to be you know a fairly small, semi-intimate affair. So, but it's going to be good fun. It'll be good to make it all proper like. So, oh. I'm really looking forward to it. And this would be what the fourth time we've encountered each other in our lives in physical person. I I would possibly say third. Third? Oh, actually no, fourth. Fourth. It must be fourth. It at must least. be fourth because there was we one. Met- it was one time you were here for work. Yes. There was another time you came for, was it Supernova or 
some convention yeah. here. And then yep, there was yep, another yep. time you were here for work. And we had breakfast. Yes. No, that was that was a different that was the other time I was talking about. There was a time <laughs> you were staying at a friend's place. And you ah, and, I, yes. and I drove you out and you donated to me some of your old issues of Detective Comics for my Detective Comics collection. Oh that's right. And yes. yes, you told me stories of your life that were quite interesting. Oh, did I? Oh shit. Yeah. Anyway, we went <gasps> Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. That that can be You've a You lived. Yes. That can be uh for the uh the Patreon subscribers when we do the Gary Show Drunk Edition. Uh <laughs> Yeah, no, let's not go there. Um, so yes, this the, my wedding will be the fourth time in our lives we have encountered each other face to face. So yeah. Wow. yeah. But anyway, we're going on far too much about me. How was your 2019, Paul? Um, I would say um, it had highs and lows, and um, it was a I, it was a very tough year. I thought. I mean, the the best part of the year was when I went overseas to America and caught up with people like uh, Rob Kelly and the Sutherlands and my good friend Jake, um, and that was really, really, really good holiday. Uh, but the rest of the year, I would characterise as absolutely shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a, a tough one financially and personally, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I I've had a yeah, it's been rough. I, I'm on antidepressants at this point. Um, let me tell you that. Mm. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's I, my physical health has not been wonderful, mm-hmm. uh, and I've sort of kept it to myself mostly. But yes. I, I think I'll share it because uh, it's a big part of what I'm going through. But I feel like I have at the moment, um, and you know, uh, don't feel sorry for me, but I have prostate cancer, mm. and it is not killing me. Um, but it is the knowledge of it is not giving me much peace at night, no, I would say. No. <laughs> so, um, yeah. If, um, if you're a gent and you're in the older ages like I and um, you notice that when you do a wee, it's not nice and strong, um, and go, check it, go get checked out because mm. you may have prostate cancer. So, mm. yeah. So, yeah, but I've shared that with you and a few other people. Yes. But, uh, yes. Yeah, you've been wonderfully supportive and I've been pretty silly about it, I think, so... No, no, I think I no, I th- I don't think you've been silly about it. I think you've, from what I've you've been telling me, you've been doing all the right sort of things, and you know, um, you're getting it taken care of. And as you said, the important thing is it's not killing you, so that's always good. But yeah, you're right. It, if people are concerned, they should get it checked out. Definitely. Yeah. 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 And my wife has had her own uh, health issues, but mm-hmm. um, she's doing quite well now. So she's. Yeah, so... Yay, but, Sam. Go, Sam. <laughs> yeah, go, Sam. But we're hoping that this year, um, we'll, you know, every time we get paid, we're hoping that we don't have to spend it all on other things apart from enjoying life. Yeah, <laughs> that, that would be yeah. nice. <laughs> that that's, would be nice. That's the dream. It's <laughs> the dream, yeah. Mm. But, I mean, I've certainly had a really fun time podcasting for the last, uh, what is it, five years now, Mike? Yeah, we've been doing, yeah, this, um, this will be year five of Waiting for Doom, which is just mind boggling. <laughs> I can still remember the day when, as like partially a joke, I said, Oh, podcast idea, all about the Doom Patrol. And then you got in touch with me and you said, Hey, if you're looking for a co host, let me know. And we just went from there. And then, you know, here we are five years later, 150 yeah. something episodes. We've covered probably. 90-something percent of everything in print of Doom Patrol. So yeah, we sure have. We've we've got literally half of Volume 5 to go, 
and yep. there's a couple of uh, there's a, a small crossover with the Secret Six to get through, and then we've covered everything in print, unless another yeah. another Gerard Way type thing happens. So well, you know what is happening this uh, season two of the show. So that's well, yes, yes, yeah, we'll have to talk about that, I guess. I guess you know, yeah, <laughs> that'll keep it ticking along. <laughs> so yeah. And we started DCOCD, which is, um, mm-hmm. that was my baby, and I was really appreciative. Uh, you kind of let me run with that and helped a lot, and yeah, that well, was being very good. It was a good idea, and yeah, you're right, it was your idea, and I was like, yeah, sure, let's, you know, go for it, let's do it. So, and that's that's been, I, for those that may wonder why I'm not in every episode, it's because I don't own everything in DC's history. I do have a DC history shelf, which has got, you know, a fair chunk of trades and, in more recent years, individual issues. But I don't own everything. And that's why it's cool that other fans of other stories can come in and help out you with that episode, whatever it may be. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, it took me a while to tweak that that was an opportunity and not a drawback, because, uh, you know, I pretty much wanted to do everything with you, but after a while I went, oh, well, I, I can invite. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. You're the one getting married, man. <laughs> um, yeah, but I thought it's a great opportunity to uh, work with a lot of people. I mean, there's so many great people in the COD, in the COD pasting, in the COD pasting <laughs> the community. The COD piece community. <laughs> wow. Lots of members in the COD piece community. <laughs> Yeah, I'm leaving that one in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly. Um, what I'm trying to say is there's some marvellous people that you can podcast with mm-hmm. if you are looking to do so. And, you know, I have, you know, it's been great uh, to po- podcast with many of them, mm. including the the dearly Miss Zooms Yukonori, who um, passed away just after Christmas, yes. unfortunately. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that was such a shock. I knew something was up with him, cause, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't very forthcoming. He just said he was dealing with a lot of issues at the time, and mm-hmm. that was very, very sad to find that, that he was gone. I was, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know, Mike. I'm not a very emotional person. Like I don't easily cry and things like that. You know, I'm, yeah. But uh, I, I shed a tear when I heard that Zoom had passed. That was really yeah. unexpected and sad. Yeah. Look, t- to be honest, um, I, I was you know, very saddened to hear of his passing. But regretfully, I I didn't have a lot to do with Zoom. Um, And I only heard a few of his shows. uh, And I think he and I only chatted in um, a group chat a couple of times. I can't remember what it was about. But from what I read, he was surrounded by family uh, as he passed. So, um, yeah, at, at least he was with loved ones and it wasn't, you know, a complete out of nowhere surprise i guess um but mm. um everyone i i've seen paying tribute to him and and that that knew him is you know they all agree what a wonderful person he was and um i i feel sad that um yes he's he's left us and that i didn't get to know him more or better but some of his stuff was you know quite funny and and always entertaining so um and you know he had his thing for sam fox so um you know mm. with me and my thing with olivia newton john i could kind of relate um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah no that was that was um very sad news uh, at the start of the year yeah yeah well, he's a remarkable artist and a uh, remarkable 
just, I mean, I felt like when I talked to him, uh, it sounded like Fred Flintstone talking to Mr. Spock. At, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Fred Flintstone in this analogy. Yeah, yeah so. I, I picked up on that. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. But uh, incredibly talented and incredibly kind. And, you know, uh, if you ever go and listen to the Done in One Wonders podcast, Wonders show, which he did, which was just a remarkable feat of engineering and voice recording and things like that. He put those together like um, masterpieces by Michelangelo. And, you know, they, yeah, they're still coming out uh, posthumously, which is um, marvelous and also yeah. very sad. But, um, you know, I listened to the last uh, latest one today, which was. Huh. Anyway, mm. yeah. So, yeah, that's another bad thing that happened in 2019. But, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. I, I have a question for you, Mike. Okay, Paul. It would be fair to say that you are a gamer? Yes. A player of games? Like, yes. you know, board games and mini games and things like that? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. How did you get into gaming? And, what you know, what was the first kind of... What was your first steps into gaming as a gamer? Gaming oh, man. um... I think I've pretty much always enjoyed playing board games since I was a little kid. And I think when I was in, uh, when I was about 13 or 14 in high school, was around the time that Games Workshop were kind of getting their brand out there with, you know, Space Marines and Warhammer 40,000 and that. So that side of gaming was sort of always on the periphery for me for the longest time and then when I was about I think 14 or 15 I picked up uh, a board game called HeroQuest which Ah, was a collaboration between Games Workshop and Milton Bradley and I think that is uh, that was sort of the start of the avalanche of of my gaming addiction not that it's still an addiction but if, if I was given the choice of sitting in front of a computer and playing against someone or sitting at a table and sitting across from a person to play any sort of game, the latter would be my preference every time. So yeah, Hero Quest was kind of this very light role-playing kind of skirmish game where you moved your heroes around a dungeon and fought monsters and got treasure, and it was so cool. It's, it was so cool that only in the last couple of years, I acquired another copy of it and painted all the miniatures. Um, ah. So... There was that, and then things like Space Hulk, which was Games Workshop Space Marine Terminators fighting Gene Stealer aliens in derelict spaceships, and and then in the 90s, I got heavily into the trading card game craze. I spent so much money on trading card games, Paul. It was... Like which, which ones? Uh, well, like most people, I started with Magic the Gathering and then had to wean myself off that when I discovered <laughs> the Star Wars collectible card, a uh, customizable card game, sorry, and then spent money on that. And then they discovered the Star Trek card game, and then there was a point in the 90s where my housemate and I and a few other friends were playing between us as a small group pretty much every trading card game that was available. Wow. And, yeah, it was... It was <laughs> You know, when you look back on, on your past, you think, man, I spent a lot of money on that, and you just sort of shake your head. Trading card games were was that for me. Um, yeah. Were you robbing banks as a crew to pay for it? Or? Um, that would make a really cool movie, actually, but no. Uh, <laughs> so eventually, um, I kind of got out of that after a while and, and rediscovered, you know, just 
board games, being able to just open a box up and, and play uh, the one game in a box is still one of my favorite things in the world to do. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I just love, I think there's something about the tactile part of it as well, where you're, you know, pushing miniatures around a board or, you know, picking up pieces or building something or doing something with cards even, just, and the the face-to-face contact with other people at the table. That's something I really enjoy. So, uh, And now, unfortunately, most of my gaming time is taken up with the painting of miniatures because <laughs> I, I do enjoy my Warhammer 40,000, but I set myself a personal rule, which some of my friends have picked up and, and taken on as well, and that rule is no paint, no play. So, <laughs> so if, if the miniature is not painted... It does not get to the table, so it, that's that's kind of a way to spur us on to get our armies painted and to get things painted. Right, and it it's worked for a while, but I've been a bit slack of late. Um, I have about four different armies now. <laughs> wow! So yeah, and do you ever I, feel do you ever feel snookered by your own rules for life that you create like? <laughs> No, no, not really. No, I, I think they're good practical rules because um, it just looks better. If you've got a fully painted army on the table, it looks so cool. Whereas yeah. if you've just got it built and it's just the, the grey plastic, it's like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Must, yeah. And, and like, if that's what people want to do with their armies, that's that's their thing. That's fine. For me personally, I would rather go the extra mile and put the effort in and just have a nice-looking army on the table that then gets wiped out in battle. <laughs> so, Do you believe it's right to get other people to paint your miniatures? Ah. Uh, do you mean, would I do that, or...? What's your personal feeling about, you know, going, well, personal... I, can't, I don't have time to paint these, but I have enough money to pay someone to do it for me. I think if that's your thing, go for it. I, oh. I have no problem. Tell me what you think. Well, what I think is, I I wouldn't do it personally. I would. I have. I've only been painting miniatures for about six years now, and it's always just been trial and error. And you sort of you watch YouTube videos, you read the the gaming magazines, and you go, oh, okay, that's how they did that. And then you go and you practice it. But I realise that yes, it is a big investment of time and money, <laughs> and I understand that some people may not have the luxury of time, but you know, they might be able to afford for someone else to paint it for them. I wouldn't do it myself, but if if other people can and want to do that, go for it. Knock yourselves out. You know, whatever whatever makes you happy with your little plastic soldier dolly men. Um, <laughs> that's that's what they are. It's just little plastic dolly men that we push around and fight pretend battles with. It's it's fine. Mm. I I I'm fully I fully recognise how silly it is and. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a privilege thing to be doing because it's it's not a cheap hobby. It is no. not a cheap hobby by any means. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I hope you never feel like I judge you because I basically went down the same road as you for quite a while. So, you know, I, what, Talisman and then oh, HeroQuest. Yes. Yep. yes, and then Space Hulk. I was into Space Hulk. Yep. I thought things like Blockmania and... Uh, oh, wow. Know, Blood Bowl, when it was yep. just a, you know, a cardboard standy people and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I did get into the Magic the Gathering for a while, and um, 
man, that was a rough time. That was, <laughs> I became very obsessed with that game in a very bad way. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I, and um, I think I, I, it was one of those things I got out of it for the sake of my marriage. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. um, you know, uh, I was obsessed with it and my wife was like, this isn't very healthy and, you know, mm. it's like, shut up, I'm playing magic. Um, <laughs> I'm building a deck right now, don't you? <laughs> Yes, dear. Can you hand me that box with all my white mana cards in, please? So, yeah. 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 It, yeah. I kind of had a slight variation of yours in that I think my big peak with the trading card game with a partner was Vampire the Eternal Struggle, which was basically vampires fighting each other. And my ex-wife showed an interest in that. And then she became addicted to that as well. So wow. we were we were playing that for the longest time against each other until she started taking all the really good cards <laughs> and playing uh-huh. with the same deck every time and I was like mm, yeah, <laughs> okay okay I see how it is so wow mm, yeah mm. Mm. okay now I got a question for you okay yeah okay how did you come to be living on a farm in Lagan like I know <laughs> I know you grew up in in like I think it was Sydney. You've told yep, me in the past. Yep. Yeah, you uh, raised in Sydney. You know, you spent your, your young man years in Sydney. What got you to la- to a farm on Lagan? A farm in Lagan. Well, okay. Um, so I grew up in Sydney, and uh, my wife came from Canberra, which is like three hours down the road from Sydney. Mm-hmm. And she came. She. Uh, Got glandular fever, dropped out of uni, came up to Sydney and just got a casual job. And I met her at church and, um, yeah, we hit it off. And we've been, what year is it? We've been married. It's 2020, Paul. It's 28 years this year. Wow. Um, so she might be the one. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> okay, okay, oh, okay. But, All but right. was, was the intention just to move somewhere, you know, rural or w- with the intention of having a farm or did you just kind of luck into being on a farm? Well, don't, well, don't rush the story. So, okay. oh, sorry, right. sorry. I'm, I'm right. keen. So, That's, sorry for being keen. God. All right. Met, married in Sydney. We stayed in Sydney. And she came from Canberra, which is a yep. place with lots of cheaper housing than Sydney. And it's a nicer place to live, I've always thought. Because, you know, it's bushy and everything's more affordable and it doesn't have, you know, all the congestion and traffic and crap that Sydney has. So we eventually moved down there. It took us forever for me to find a good job in Canberra because um, my skills were in the TV industry at the time and, um, you know, behind the scenes and videotape operating and all that sort of stuff. And there, there was very little work of that nature in Canberra. And eventually I got a job in sort of presentation services like setting up conferences and stuff mm-hmm. and moved down there. And from there, I sort of shifted into a very good, stable job in um, in the government, and that's where I've been ever since. But so we moved to Canberra. Um, we couldn't find anywhere to rent, and it turned out to be cheaper to buy a house in Canberra than to rent anyway, which was nice. Yep. And then we were living in a pretty bad part of Canberra. It was a bit rough, and things would get stolen off the front lawn and stuff like that. So we yes. bought a, a nicer house, sold the other house, and then basically, my wife just got. Wanderlust, like I want to go somewhere else and live, you know, I want a different type of life than this. Mm. So for about two years, we looked 
all around Canberra. So we basically drew a circle around Canberra and just, you know, we looked at every single property that was for sale probably about two, two hours outside of Canberra. And I basically, I didn't want to move, but I'm, I'm one of those people, I, I'm in a situation, I'll just stay there forever unless right. someone pushes me. Um, whereas Sam is very much, um, you know, I think we should do this. It'd be good for all of us and better for the family. And she's always right, which is quite annoying. <laughs> Uh-huh. So, but um, after you know many years of marriage, I've learned to trust that instinct in her. And okay, I will go with whatever you think because you think you you know you always have better ideas for our future than I do. Like you know, if it was up to me, I'd still be in Sydney in that dead end job, you know, uh, waiting for my boss to die so I could get his job. Um, <laughs> and he wasn't that you know he wasn't that much older than me, so it'd be a long time. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I mean her. Her saying, you know, we should do this often leads to fantastic results. So, yeah, I guess, so we like living in Canberra, but, you know, Canberra has its drawbacks. And, you know, the country living thing, I was just ready to trust her. Uh, we put in an offer on a house for ages. Like, we were waiting about a year for the contract to be settled, and it had a wow. sort of property border dispute. So mm-hmm. we didn't know which part of we couldn't buy it because we couldn't say this is the property, and um, you know the lady we we're going to buy from was very uh, stubborn about that. Um, but I'm glad we didn't buy that property because it's in Cabago, which actually burnt down. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, on New Year's Eve. Yeah. So yeah, um, I'm glad we didn't buy that property, and that was one of the concerns about the property because it was um, ten acres, very bushy, um, but all of it was like. There was probably one acre that was flat and usable, and the rest was just nine acres of steep bush with trees all over it, oh, wow. uh, which would go up like a, a bonfire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we, we never ended up with that one. And eventually, we kept coming, looking around at properties, and, like, Lagan is the tiniest place on Earth. Like, it's, you know, it's got a population of about 200. Oh, wow. Okay. And we kept finding properties to look at in this place called Lagan. So, uh, and uh, eventually... My wife went out and looked at one on Australia Day. Um, no, it was before Australia Day. She was on holidays. I was still working. And she came out with the kids and said, oh, there's this property out here. It's pretty good. Do you want to come and look at it? And so we arranged to look at it on Australia Day and um, drove out there. And I walked into the property and knew it was the property for us within about two seconds. Nice. Um, yeah. So part of it was to have a... A calmer life away from work, I guess, mm-hmm. and, yeah. um, which is what we've got. Uh, it, I mean, it is very much a case of when you leave work, you leave the city and you drive through the country. And, you know, the country drive, it's a long drive, but it's a really peaceful, beautiful drive. And, you know, I see wildlife everywhere that I would never see if I lived in the city. Mm. And, yeah, um, you know, and living on the property, it's secluded. Like, we can't really see our neighbours. I, I could, you know, walk all around my property naked and no one would know. <laughs> Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't share that with anyone. So no one knows that I would do that. Yeah, thank God. You know, you, you, would, you wouldn't <laughs> yeah. want the neighbours to be going like, "Oh, look, Paul's out with his sheep nuts again." Um, <laughs> Andy sheep nuts. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we'll edit all that out. No one will ever know your secret. Yeah. It's yeah. like Slender Man. Only I'm hairy and not slender. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, yeah, we've lived here for a while, and. I, unfortunately, I can't go back. Like the thought of living um, within sight of another building with mm-hmm. neighbours and you know not being able to do anything you want, it you know it, it would disturb me. And yeah. I'm very, I'm very, very happy with this life. Um, 
And, uh, you know, there's there's real advantages to living in the country because, you know, there's country security is way different to city security. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've got animals and things, so we've got a bunch of sheep. We've got uh, two doggies at the moment and a cat and um, some chickens. And, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's all very chill. So I mean, there's a billion things to do, and I'll never get around to them, but... um, you know, hopefully I'll do enough to uh, stop the the vegetation coming inside the house. Yeah, that's always <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I can recommend it if you are up for that sort of life. But mm, um, no, I think I think I'll probably always be the city mouse to your country mouse. I think. Ah, <laughs> uh, possibly. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't, probably because I grew up. In in Papua New Guinea, which is uh, at the time was a little bit underdeveloped, um, yeah. And so I I like my convenience now in my in my advanced age. <laughs> so yeah. Did you resent having that sort of life as a child? Or no, because did you, feel you were missing out. No, no. Look, we got the ABC in Papua New Guinea, and that was, that was everything. That was all we needed, you know? We had Countdown on the weekends, we had Doctor Who on weeknights. Oh, it was great. No, I think it was actually a very interesting childhood, and I think it made me a bit more open and accepting to different cultures and different lifestyles, because, like, our primary schools were, like, a melting pot uh, from pretty much any nation you could think of. We had kids from Europe. We had, uh, you know, the, the national kids uh, who, you know, uh, Papua New Guinean children there. Um, we had kids from Australia, New Zealand, Japan, China, everywhere. So, like, when we had sort of, you know, World Fair Day and everyone would bring, you know, different foods from their home countries, it was a smorgasbord, <laughs> you know? Wow. Um, so I think, yeah, it was, it was really interesting childhood to have and um you know just like racism was never a problem really in my youth because everyone was different and everyone just got along Uh, i mean you know as, as much as children will get along you know not everyone is friends all the time so i think that made me appreciate just other people in general and different lifestyles and different family uh, dynamics and that, um, and and yeah, it was was a cool cool way to grow up. Um, and, and again, very small towns. Like as a kid, we could get on our bikes and ride around pretty much anywhere and feel safe. And yeah, it was it was really cool. And then uh, we had to come back to Australia. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and that was when I experienced my very first proper autumn. Um, wow! Because it was like. You know, the first day of autumn, and it was very cold, but the sun was out. And I was like, what is this? Because in New Guinea, uh, from what I remember, it was six months of boiling heat and then six months of bucketing rain and nothing, <laughs> and nothing in between. So autumn, <laughs> I, I was like 13 when I had my first proper autumn. <laughs> so, and it was like, my God, what is this? It's so different. Ah. So, yeah, I, I guess that's something I missed out on. <laughs> so, <laughs> but no, it, it, was a, it was a fine childhood. It was, you know, lots of fun. And, yeah, I, I wouldn't change it. And I guess I can't because I don't have a time machine. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and, like, 
the one interesting thing there was that because we only got, for those who don't know, the ABC is like the, the public funded broadcasting channel here in Australia, and we got it in Papua New Guinea via satellite. Um, so we would get Australian news and a lot of, you know, Australian shows and, you know, they would show a lot of BBC shows, so things like The Goodies and Metal Mickey and, oh God, what else? I'm going blank Doctor now. Who. Yeah, well, Doctor Who, um, Are You Being Served? <laughs> all those kind of wink-wink, nudge-nudge British comedies, so all those sorts of things. Where was I going with this? I can't remember. I think you were trying to say ABC was a, I mean, it was a catch-all for sort of the, the best of the British stuff and the yeah, best of the Australian yeah. stuff. But in order to watch anything else, we had video stores in our towns. And the way they would was set up is that the owners of the video stores had friends in Australia who would do video recordings of a specific program. So like one episode of, I don't know, Mork and Mindy. Okay? <laughs> so then they would record the next episode. So they, you know, they would get like a couple of episodes of one show on a tape, then mail the tape from Australia to Papua New Guinea, and they would include in the the mailbag the newspaper clippings of the TV guide for that show, which would then get (laughs) sticky taped to the front of the video cassette cover so that you could walk into your video store in town and rent not only whatever B-grade movie was available, but you could also go and say, hey, I want to watch Mork and Mindy, and there would be like a tape with... Newspaper clippings of, in this episode, Mork does this, and this one. So you would watch, like, you know, an hour and a half of Mork and Mindy, and that was kind of like another way we got TV over there, which was so bizarre to think of it. It was like this little piracy industry <laughs> happening uh-huh. in a town. <laughs> so it was bizarre, but it was it was the way things were back then. So. Wow. Oh, dear. Uh-huh. Well, I guess, um, I mean, I'm not dating anymore because of the marriage thing. Um, 28 years, yeah. <laughs> 28 years. Yeah. yeah, but uh, you've been in the dating pool recently. Um, what's your idea of the perfect date as far as... Wow, you know? okay. Um, it's, it's I feel like a... you're on a game show and, you know... Yeah. Uh, uh, January 15th. Bachelor number one. <laughs> my perfect date would be January 15th, because that's my birthday. Um, <laughs> anyway, well, it's, see, Kylie and I have been together three years now, so it's been a little while since I've dated, but, oh, I don't know. God, just, just going out for a nice meal and having a nice discussion with the young lady and getting <laughs> to know each other. Um, something simple. Like, it doesn't have to be fancy. I think just, you know, get get to know them first. You know, My you... perfect date would be um, go to the newsagent, buy a lottery ticket, win, mm-hmm. and then do, you know, fly anywhere in the world, do whatever you want for the rest of your life. Right. Okay. Uh, okay. With, a, with a special girl by your side. Right. <laughs> Probably my wife. Yeah, yeah they're, they're 28 years, you know. I hate to keep bringing it up. But, yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I guess my answer would be um, go out somewhere where you can chat with them and have a nice meal or just a, a quiet drink and, you know, just get to know each other as a yeah. first date or, you know, something. Um, you mentioning the lotto actually brings me back to a question I have for you. Oh. Let's say... You do win the lotto. Okay. What would be your top three priorities to take care of first? Like, what would be the first three things you would do? 
with your winnings. Right, well, I'll probably buy some lollies. Go, go, down to the, go down to the milk bar with your giant size check and go, I'll have this many redskins, please. Um, I, w- I mean, I, the, probably the number one priority would be to, to be debt-free as fast as possible, you know, like, you know, pay off every single debt that I have and, you know, position myself not to have to worry about, you know, working to, to live and that sort of stuff. Mm. Um but I mean, then I would immediately go into fun stuff. Like, I, uh, you know, uh, of course I would, you know, look after the poor and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, um, I, I would love to go and visit lots of people uh, who I've met online and take the family. I mean, we've had some really great times overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, so do more of that and, you know, sort of live life to the full while it can be lived. And, yes. Yeah, uh, and certainly, I mean, it, I would love to look after people I know who are struggling in, you know, different situations, mm-hmm. and yeah, that'd probably be my three priorities. Nice. nice. What, what about you? Quite similar. I would probably, yeah, get myself out of debt. I would probably take care of my family's debts, and then I would probably, I'd probably throw a big party. Just to kick back and celebrate our good fortune. <laughs> I know that sounds a little bit selfish, but sometimes you've got to treat yourself. You know, you mm. just, just have to. But yeah, after those three, then there would probably be, I don't know, travelling and a bit more partying and, I don't know, just <laughs> just living the easy life. Yeah. I'd like to go to Africa and kill some animals that are uh, endangered. <laughs> Sounds like an old, rich white man, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> oh, dear. Wow. Wow. Anyway, let's talk music. Now, Mike, you are light years ahead of me as far as being in touch with music. I am. My music taste is going backwards into Nostalgiaville, okay. um, and I'm tracking down things that I enjoyed when I was, like, 10 and 12 and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, whereas you, you, you've got your finger on the pulse. I mean, for instance, um, I very rarely see bands live or anything like that. Hardly, mm-hmm. hardly ever. Um, this year we are actually going to a concert for. We're going to see Aha and Rick Astley. Wow. Um, yeah. Okay. So great to hear all their new stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, how would you describe your taste in music? I have to, um, without sounding big-headed about it, I have a fairly diverse range of musical interests, shall we say. I will listen to anything from disco to satanic metal (laughs) Um, and and everything in between. If it's got an interesting sound and a a nice beat you can stomp your foot to... um, (laughs) I'll I'll be into it, I guess. I I, I have to admit my my I'm probably not as with it uh, as a kid say as you think I am. I mean, there's still like I saw a post about the um, oh, it was like Billboard in America or something, and like the top ten selling artists of the last decade or something. And oh, yeah. I I think I recognised one or two names on there, and I was like, yeah, nah, that's. That's I'm not with it anymore. I'm just not. And <laughs> and similarly with um, for those overseas, there is a radio station for the youth over here called Triple J. Uh, they have their hottest 100 every year, so listeners get to vote in. For, I think I think 
our listener gets to submit their top four or five tracks of the year, and then that gets all collated and number crunched, and then they figure out, you know, they they do a countdown over the course of an entire day, down from 100 to number one. Um, and I've seen some of the band names, and again, I'm like, yeah, nah, no idea, nah. Um, I haven't felt in touch with the Hot 100 since 1996. So, yeah, yeah I'd, I would be about the same, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Did you see that thing where they had the Coachella list and it had everyone was playing <laughs> Coachella and it said your Coachella age is 100 minus the number of bands on this list that you yeah. know of? Yeah. Yeah, I was like 85. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was I was 80-something as well. I can't wow. remember who it was. I think I was 87, I think. Uh, golly. Um, so you're a little bit more hipper than me, old man. Yeah. But yeah, I I I love all sorts of weird like just this evening, like we've because this show has come around in a very would you say odd fashion, Paul? It's kind of it's, it's not been a typical episode of Waiting for Doom or DCOCD. No, no. So I was scratching my head thinking, Oh, should we have some some theme music? And like just today I discovered this this guy, Earl Van Dyke who was a, a piano and, and keyboard player in the, the 60s and 70s with Motown-type records, and his stuff is awesome. And I'm like, how have I only just heard of this guy today? So, whereas probably one of my all-time favourite bands that I did get to see a few months ago is a, a Swedish metal band called Ghost, and a lot of their lyrics are about um, Satan uh, and Lucifer and, you know, his fall from grace. But I really dig their stuff. It's really cool. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm a bit all over the place. I I'll, I'll give anything a chance, really. Uh, you know, I I, I think maybe because I came from a musical family, and I used to I can play a little bit of guitar and a little bit of bass and keyboards. I just like all sorts of music. So I yeah I I dig the music, Paul. I dig it all. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I don't think there's a, a a type of music that I don't like. Mm. My wife says I like depressing music because I tend to like <laughs> stuff. I mean, I don't think I like like dirgy stuff, but I I do gravitate towards the you know um... Phil Collins, <laughs> <laughs> no, just sort of the Depeche Mode and stuff like that. But um, I'm very much. Like, I'm not going out to find new music in it anyway. I mean, mm. probably the, the way I found the most music in the last few years is listening to podcasts and someone will play a track and go, oh, that's a good track. And I'll, you know, look it up and, you know, uh, if I really like like it, I'd go down the rabbit hole with that. Mm. Or getting a, um, you know, sort of compilation from the library of, you know, different music and like a soundtrack to a, with songs and things like that and listening through and go, oh, that's a good band. I like that. But, yeah, I feel very much uh, not finger on the pulse well but, uh, not not that we are sponsored by this company in any way whatsoever but can i recommend to you a little app called spotify because that that is just brilliant um i've found i've rediscovered bands that i haven't listened to in years and then i found a bunch of new stuff as well because you sort of when you first sign in there you, you choose a few bands that you like and then it finds you their music, but then it kind of suggests other stuff in a similar vein. And then you go, oh, oh, I like that band. Oh, I'll start following that band. And then it adds more to, like, your playlists that it generates for you. And then it bring, then it does, like, a channel where it gives you new stuff each week to listen to as well. So it's kind of, it's like, oh, Spotify is so much fun. 
Mm. Maybe we should get a sponsorship uh, from them. <laughs> maybe we should. I was actually at my daughter's house because she's just moved out and she was playing Spotify with some K-pop on her um, through her TV because she's young and doesn't <laughs> follow the rules. Right. And I actually um, said, can we look up Waiting for Doom? And then we played a bit of Waiting for Doom through her TV. Oh. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. I've got one listener under 20 for two minutes. <laughs> Our numbers are going up, finally. <laughs> anyway, um, so I sort of suggested that why don't we try and pick a song for each other. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah, a song that you thought I might enjoy, and I would try and pick a song that I thought you might enjoy. Um, right. So, yeah. I, I misunderstood the question slightly, and I, I went for a band. Oh, well, that's fine. That's okay. fine. Yeah, all right. Well, I'm going to just play a bit of a song, and you tell me if you think you like it. Okay, you ready? Okay, yeah, sure, sure. Bastard. It's Christmas time. <laughs> no how, how does that strike you? That, you into that? that that fills me with anger, Paul. <laughs> that not not because of look at the time when that song first came out, it was very well intentioned. Um, it was for a wonderful cause. It raised a lot of money for that cause. Um, it was a very popular song. Unfortunately, many years later, someone in the podcasting community decided to do a parody version of that song for a podcasting crossover, which I had to edit together. <laughs> Numerous podcasting friends doing their bit uh, to sing along to said parody song, and that it was, was the it was the Sistine Chapel of editing, mate. <laughs> sure. Uh, so. As as much as I commend our, our fellow podcasters who contributed to that promo uh, for their uh, attempts at singing, um, you know I tip my hat to them all. You know, it was it was a fun little thing to do, and job well done to us all. But my God, I'd never want to hear that song ever again. <laughs> oh dear. Mm. So, so what band were you going to recommend me? Okay, I was going to recommend to you, uh, there's a band called the Budos Band, and they, uh, they're an instrumental band, and they're kind of, um, now I've got to try and describe them. They're kind of like, uh, funk soul music, but they have a, some of their songs have a little kind of dark, sinister edge to them, and... Budos. How do you spell Budos? You spell Budos, B-U-D-O-S. B U D O S. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, coming up. yes. They are a real band. Um, I first discovered them a f- oh, uh, quite a few years ago. Now, um, I came into possession of like a sampler CD for Daptone Records, which is the label that Sharon Jones and the Dapkins were on. And a big fan of Sharon Jones. She she was awesome. Got to see her live a couple of times here in Brisbane. Uh, and so there was a you know a fair few different tracks uh, by different bands on the label. And the Budos Band were among them. And yeah, I really dug their stuff. And you have actually already heard one of their songs, Paul. Because Ooh. do you remember in that little TV show we love called The Doom Patrol, there was yes. a scene where Larry Trainer was trying to get on board a bus. Oh yes, yes, and I remember. The negative that. spirit kept. Denying him. Do you it remember was in the, the fun- Donkey Patrol episode two? Yes. Do you, do you remember the funky music that was playing in that scene 
at the bus station. I can't specifically remember it, but uh, why don't you play a little bit in the editing by Magic now? Okay. find some random tracks of theirs, I reckon you'll you'll like them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if not, okay. well your taste is shit. <laughs> well probably probably is. <laughs> um all right, well yeah I I would recommend a band to you and um have you ever heard of Republic Tigers? I don't think I have. Okay, well, um, there is actually one song of Republic Tigers that we, I think you edited into an episode of DCOCD for me. Um, but yeah, um, uh, here's a little bit of a song called Buildings and Mountains. I'll just play a little bit of that for you. And, um, yeah, I hope you like it. If not, you're dead to me.
see if anyone needed help from us to solve their problems. Um, um, yeah. And we were overwhelmed by th- three responses. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and um, yeah, looking at them, um, uh, we, we, we genuinely wanted to try something different and be like an agony uncle type thing. Because, you know, we're, we're wise old men and we can help you young people out with our knowledge yeah. and stuff. Uh, I'm Fraser Crane, and I'm listening. You know, that sort of thing. Does that make me Niles? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Thanks a bunch, you <laughs> fucker. Anyway, Paul, who who did we hear from first? Uh, let me fire up the uh, information machine. <laughs> um, okay, the first one we heard was from... Sergeant America, and he said, what's the craziest thing that's happened to you at the comic shop or visiting a new shop place that sells comics like a swap meet or a flea market? Craziest thing. Having to pay nearly 10 bucks for a single issue? <laughs> oh, yeah. sorry, no, that, that's a regular occurrence. That's not the craziest thing. No, I, I bought four comics the other day. It was $32. Mmm. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The craziest things I can think of, I wasn't actually at either shop when they happened, but one of them was at the comic shop I used to frequent uh, here in Brisbane City. We had a massive storm um, one night, and this comic shop was on the is on the street level of a building, and the office space above them got completely flooded. And so it seeped through the ceiling of the comic shop and basically broke through the ceiling and flooded the comic shop and drenched, like, the majority of their stock. That's a horrible story. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, that's that was pretty crazy. But I wasn't there. The other weird thing happened only in the last couple of weeks uh, at the very start of this year for the comic shop I now... Um, go to, uh, they had a fire in their store. So the proprietor was on his way to the shop uh, and apparently some businesses across the street from him had already notified the police and the the fire brigade. And so he got there, his store was already pretty... A good portion of the store was up in flames. Oh, jeez. So... It's either flood or fire over here. <laughs> just, uh, but yeah, mm. I, I wasn't at either place at the time, but those are both pretty crazy things to happen to um, comic shop. As for, I can't think of anything that crazy that's happened whilst I've been in a shop other than the ridiculous prices we have to pay 
over mm, here. Yes. Yeah. How about you, Paul? Any wacky stuff happening to you in a shop? Well, I actually read about that shop fire on Bleeding Cool this week. Did you know? Oh, no, I did not know it was on No, there. there's an article about Comics Empire burning. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. That's sad. Mm. You are the common thread in both those disasters, though, I'm just going to point out. <laughs> I was nowhere near either store at the time, okay? The fire yeah. started, like, first thing in the morning. I was probably either asleep in bed or at the gym. The The flooding incident happened years ago. So, like, back off, man. Just... <laughs> Yeah. Right. Uh, ooh, the craziest thing that happened to me. Um, nothing much crazy happens in comics. Um, my father-in-law had a uh, optical dispenser shop, so he sold glasses and you know would do people's prescriptions and things like that. Mm-hmm. And um, he had a junkie one day come in with a knife and threaten him. And wow. <laughs> he actually got out of the shop, and the junkie went in, up into the ceiling and hid till the police arrived and got him. Um, yeah. Wow. So. Yeah, that was, um, that was interesting. Um, but as far as the as places that sell comics, when I went to Heroes Con... Have you been to Heroes Con? Yes, I have been to Heroes oh. Con. Yeah, right. but um, there was a listener, one of ours, called Time Tunnel Jake, and he got in touch and said, I'm going to be at Heroes Con. I was going, oh, okay, who's this guy? I, I, you know, I remember his name a couple of times on the you know, interactions through Twitter, but I didn't, didn't know anything about him. So when I got to Heroes Con, I think it was like the second day, I found, you know, all right, what, where's his stall? And I looked it up and went and found him. And my goodness, it was like, meeting a you know a lo- long lost cousin like he just greeted me so warmly he was giving me stuff like autographed Doom patrol comics and amazing wow. things like that and just treated me like a king and you know made me feel you know fa- i mean i was already on a high because i was at heroes con and yeah. um you know doing all that but uh meeting jake was one of the best things that's happened to me um nice. it was just marvelous and yeah he's my my international comics connection so oh. hooking me up and Give me sweet deals and you know, it, yeah. <laughs> For some reason that sounded far dirtier than it should have been. But anyway, um, did we hear from anyone else? Uh, we heard from Sean Ross, uh, Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Oh, Sean. On Twitter. Yeah, and um, the personal problem he wants us to solve is what are some of the interesting characteristics of living in a country that is also a continent? Uh, uh. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, Australia's really big. Like, it, it's yeah. America-sized. Um, and, it, you know, there's sea all the way around it, which is nice. Um, yeah. I've got to see a little bit of Australia through various jobs I've had and reasons to go around the place. So I've been to, you know, I've been on Tasmania on holidays and down to Melbourne a lot and up to Brisbane uh, where you live. And yeah. I've also been all the other way to the other side of the country to Perth. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other place I've been is Darwin. But um, one of the nice things about Australia is, you know, you can watch, uh, if you're in Perth, you can watch the sun, you know, s- set over the ocean, which is, you know, different. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in, in Sydney, you can watch the sun rise over the ocean. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Australia's really big. Have you been to see much of it? Uh, unfortunately not. I've owned, I've pretty much only ever kept to the eastern side and specifically Brisbane, obviously, Sydney and Melbourne. I haven't really ventured much further than that. And, like, I've only been to Melbourne twice, and that's only been in the last couple of years because my partner currently has has family that live in Melbourne, or or Victoria. Ah. Um, So, yeah. Um, But, no, I've I've not seen as much as I probably should have seen by now. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the key thing that affects us is it's um, really expensive to go overseas because it's such a long way, and it takes forever. So you know, yeah. you, you're going to be in a plane for twenty plus hours if you want to go anywhere, you know, all the way overseas, a long way. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, we yeah. tend to do holidays to you know Fiji and um, Bali and New Zealand, and you know, mm. if we want to go somewhere closer that won't take forever to get there, mm-hmm. or Tasmania. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because I, yeah. I think um, uh, it's it's a good if if you want to have a if you want to get to well from my personal experience of traveling to the United States, I would always stop over in Hawaii because that's only eight and a half nine hours away. Um, right. So you can stop there, have a, a a day or two to you know get over your <laughs> have a bit of a rest before the rest of the flight, and then I think from there it's only about five hours to the mainland from there so yeah but everyone's different uh but that's still a long a long time to be traveling to yeah. get anywhere yeah but i mean australia has some nice you know sort of features and things that we take for granted like um we all get a little what default four weeks holiday every year that mm-hmm. we can pretty yeah. much spend as we like and if you work in a place for a little while like 10 years you get more holidays that are piled on top and yeah so yeah, I mean, we're well looked after that, and healthcare in the country, of course, is very nice, yeah. and um, it's relatively safe from gun violence. So, yeah. yeah, you know, and it's the, I mean, it's a cliche as we've got all these dangerous animals and stuff, but uh, you know, I live on a farm. I see snakes all the time. They don't bother you unless you bother them, and mm. yeah, and okay. spiders. You know, after a while, like with animals that invade. Like, when you're a kid and you see a big spider, you just crap yourself because you think it's going to leap on your face. Um, but in reality, you know, they're, what they do is fairly predictable. Like, they're just mm. going to stay in the corner unless you bother them. And if you bother them, they're probably just going to fall on the ground and then run like hell to try and get somewhere safe. Yeah. You know, they don't, yeah. they don't tend to go ya. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that your experience? I mean, you, you're in Brisbane, so what, you've got little geckos and things everywhere. Yeah, yeah, like we... You know, I'm not on a farm, but we have, you know, like we get possums in our um, neighbourhood running along our roof at random times. So the first few nights uh, that Kylie, because when we, because Kylie and and I and um, her her boys, my stepsons, when I moved into this house a few weeks before they did. So I kind of got used to the the weird bird noises and, you know, oh, yeah, there's spiders out over there. and Oh, yeah, the possums run along. The first couple of nights that the possums ran along the roof <laughs> when they moved in, it was like, oh, my God, what's that? What's going on? Um, <laughs> and that still tends to happen. Um, yeah. Because we've got large, you know, leafy trees everywhere, so the possums will jump from the tree, run along our roof, jump to the tree at the front of the house. So... Yeah, so yeah. I, I guess one interesting thing about our country is we have some amazing wildlife. Um, we do. And did you read about the wombats during the, the yeah. bushfires? How cool yeah. was that? The wombats yeah. were opening up their burrows to other animals. You know, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and Australian possums aren't particularly scary. They're kind of cute. And yeah. Yeah, they're more more akin to big squirrels than um, you know the opossums of America. So and yeah, they're yeah. ugly. Yeah, Ugh. but I tell you what, there ain't no party like a possum sex party. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna note that down for possible title 
of the episode, <laughs> possum sex party. Right. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, yes, those are. Whoa, that's um, that's a lot of weird noises there. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah. But we did get one other question, which falls into the category of um, serious question, which mm. is from okay. Green Lantern HD. Now, I don't know much about Green Lantern HD, except he is a. I presume it's he. He is a bloody top follower to have. Like, if he is listening to your podcast, he will support you a billion percent. And you know, he's enthusiastic and he likes all my lame jokes on Twitter all the time so and stuff oh. like that so you know in my book top bloke so okay. uh, anyway but um, GL asked um, I want your opinion on losing a friendship for no other reason than time work life circumstances they all interfere and make you drift away from friendship how then can you call yourself a friend or a best friend yeah well uh, that's a tough one I mean I've certainly had friends I've been, you know, particularly with people I've worked with, I've been really close friends with people and then I've moved on to a different job and you just sort of drift away and mm. it's really hard to maintain. Or there, in your younger days, there's people who you, you know, like we had a bloke who came to live with my family for a while and, you know, he had a lot of depression and stuff and I remember saying, I'm going to be your friend for the rest of your life and I'll always look after you and everything and that turned out to be complete crap because, you know, I haven't <laughs> kept, up, kept up with him and things like that. And... Sort of friendships are hard, and it's really hard to artificially keep them going. And I think it takes two people to yep. keep a friendship engaged. I don't exactly. think you can do it on your own. Nope. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's it's tough. But a lot of the friendships that I've had for a long, long time have been very, you know, have not been reliant on how often we see each other. Mm. Um, it's very accepting that, you know, we're going to go for nine months without talking and then, you know, one of us will visit the other and stay and we'll, you know, stay up till 2 a.m. talking and, you know, just catching up and everything. But the friendship is not, you know, it's not a hungry beast that needs to con be constantly fed. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, and personally, I mean, one of the best things to do with your best friend is marry them, which is what I did. So, you know... <laughs> I consider um, my wife my best friend. And, yeah, you know, yeah, that, that's not going to work with every friendship, though. No, it's not. No. For, it's not right for every friendship. No. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, that's a good way to go. I mean, to have someone who knows you better than anyone else and you trust more than anyone else, and yeah, because um, there's an element of a really good friendship. You can, you know, bear your soul, and they can see you at your worst, and you can be vulnerable before them, and you know, so you know, I'm worried about. I'm scared about that, and they know you, and they, you know, they can tell that stuff anyway, really. Mm. So, um, that, I mean, that's a really good thing about that sort of friendship. But I mean, I, yeah, if you've if you live long enough, you, there's friendships that come and go, and you know, your life will change, and you know, it will take you to new friendships and away from others, and yeah. But I mean, if you're lucky, you'll have some good friends. But I mean, I personally, I'm pretty introverted, and I don't put myself out there, and I don't, you know, if people want to go for drinks after work, I'm, I don't want to do that. You know, yeah. I want to go home. <laughs> I want to see my family, and I want to relax, and I want to read and watch TV and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not, a, you know, out with the boys drinking, having fun, and, you know... Uh, that sort of thing, person. But yeah, what, what do you think, Mike? I, uh, yeah, I for me, uh, and I've said this to uh, the my sons that every relationship is fifty fifty. Um, so if you want to maintain a friendship, you've got to put your fifty percent in, and so does the other person. 
So it's it's got to be give and take on both sides. So um, as GL has has said that you know. Um, just lack of time and work and, and life in general just, just getting in the way of the friendship. Unfortunately, that, that does happen. And I guess it's it's up to you as to, I guess, how much of an effort you want to put into it. And if that effort is reciprocated by the other person. If not, I think you just need to be realistic and go, okay, well, they're probably in this exact same boat. Like, as adults, we're all really busy. You know, mm. like I, I still have a stack of comics I have not touched since the end of the year. And that's just because I've been busy getting to work or, you know, working around the house or looking after the kids or you name it. Just just life happens. Um, mm. And unfortunately, that, that GL, you're not the only one in that boat. Uh, it could be that your friend is in the same boat as well. Um, so I think it never hurts to reach out and try and maintain some level of the friendship, but they've got to come to the party too. And if they don't, then I think you just sort of uh, not count your losses, but just, you know, appreciate what you had, but always kind of be there for them if they do eventually reach out, um, mm. especially if you're both still on good terms. I, I think if if the relationship, when you last were in contact, was still on good, friendly terms, I think try and keep that there for sure. But, yeah, unfortunately... You know, change happens and we're, we're, everyone is just busy with just living, I guess. <laughs> and unfortunately, uh, yeah, for, for one thing I've noticed about life in my many advanced years is that change is inevitable. So that everything changes, like your habits, your day-to-day routine. And like, I'm talking like over time, eventually not, you know, it changes every single day. Uh, but yeah, relationships change as well. So, and that, that happens with friendships, unfortunately, um, whether it's just life getting in the way of that friendship, yeah, or whether, you know, there's a falling out, it could be for any number of reasons. But I think in, in trying to be helpful to GL, I would say, yeah, maybe reach out, see if that effort is reciprocated. If it is, awesome, yay, you're still getting along with your friends. If not, just, you know, I, I guess be there for them if they do eventually reach out again. Uh, but maybe just carry on with, you know, you, I, I think you don't want to give up your own time and energy fretting about something that might not ever be what it once was, if that makes mm. sense. Um, yep. Because, you know, life's too short, really. So I hope your friend does reciprocate with a similar effort to any that you might be putting out there to try and maintain the friendship. But if not... I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Um, and you might just need to, yeah, just just be there for them when they do reach out. But just, yeah, everyone's busy. It's, mm. um, yeah. yeah. Mm. I think, Paul, you and I are lucky in that we get to talk pretty much every, if not every day, at least every week. Yeah, I mean, we're, 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 uh, podcasting always has business that you've got to take care of and you can't yeah. let that slide. But, I mean, we're also friends and, you know, yeah. you tweet something and I quite often, you know, contact you directly rather than going through Twitter about it and things like that. Like mm-hmm. when you got the Lego figs the other day, I was like, where did you get them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was some pretty sweet Lego figures. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, I mean, it's, I hope everyone has enjoyed the Gary show. Um, you know, I think I think it's probably the best one we've done. Um, it is, yeah. So I, best I one hope- this year? Yeah, yeah, best best one of uh, 2020. I hope everyone uh, has um, learned a little bit about what it means to be the Gary 
and picked up a bit of the Gary vibes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. send those questions in, whether they're serious, agony uncle type things, or whether they're just stuff for Paul and I to chat about. Yeah. 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 Send us send us some um, music recommendations as well. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Thank you. Yeah. But um, yeah. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. Thanks for the the Gary tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Keep keep on Gary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. bye.